Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time each day. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast with others, tell people about it, spread the news, so to speak. I'm extremely grateful for that. I'm humbled by it. So thank you very much. We go for one of our little walks this morning. I have two chickens, but they're heading off in another direction, and I think that's about it. No puppy dogs, no wife, no little girls, no kitty cats. So, just us, and whatever the background music is here. <laughs> We're going to get into today... I'm going to read something that I think I tried or told y'all I needed to have a podcast or two, and so I went and found it, and it applies to today. And then I guess, well, I don't know. There's a, a podcast that I that I worked on that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I just stumbled across the information last night or the day before. Uh, and it's pretty interesting to me. It really sums up the current state of affairs, I think, in the country. Uh, but we're going to talk about Ralph Waldo Emerson today and Francis Scott Key. And I already know I forgot to go pull one thing, which is the Concord Hymn. Uh, which was written by Emerson and made the, the Battle of Concord very famous. But we'll see. We'll see how far we get. If we have time, I'll come back to it and read part of it at the end. So the first thing I want to do is I want to go back and read for you. I told you that I thought, I think it was last podcast or one of them, there was a section of a of a speech from... Reagan, and I thought it was his farewell address, and it is, and it's the very end, and I just want to read a couple paragraphs, and this is going to tie into Emerson and Key and what we were talking about the other day. <clears throat> so this is Reagan. This is 89. Let me see real quick. Yeah, January the 11th, 1989. Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells, and I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I'm proudest of in the past eight years, the resurgence of national pride that I call the new patriotism. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American. And we absorbed, almost in the air, a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. 
if you didn't get these things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood, from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio. Or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that, too, through the mid-60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s, and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't reinstitutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs protection. So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here. Who Jimmy Doolittle was. And what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father, who'd fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanetta Hinn, and she said, We will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did... We won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night, in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. So, I think this all ties in pretty well, but I'm going to, we'll see. I'm going to read, so Emerson, if you didn't know, and then I'm going to try it all, try and tie it all together at the end, folks. Uh, American poet, as I said, who wrote the Concord Hymn in 1836 that made the Revolutionary War battle at Concord, Massachusetts, pretty famous. Uh, he put the phrase in there that I'm sure most of y'all have heard, hope most of y'all have heard, the shot heard around the world. And he said, all I have seen has taught me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. Francis Scott Key, an American lawyer and poet, he was on a diplomatic mission to free a popular American doctor held captive by the British flagship in Chesapeake Bay. On September the 14th, 1814, Francis Scott Key's ship was commandeered by British, and he was forced to watch as the British unmercifully bombarded the American Fort McHenry. 
As the smoke of the night passed and the morning light began to dawn, Key saw Old Glory still waving. So inspired was he that he penned the Star-Spangled Banner, later adding the music from the old hymn to Anacreon in Heaven. I didn't pronounce that right, sorry. Within weeks, it was being sung all over the country, and on March 3, 1931, by an official act of Congress, it became the national anthem of the United States. This is an excerpt out of America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotes, just for those of y'all that are wondering. So, you're pretty familiar, obviously, with the first stanza, but we never go through all of the verses, and this is the fourth verse, and I just wanted to read it to y'all real quick. You can look it up online. It's a million places. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us as a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. He also, talking about praise for pardoning grace, he wrote this, Lord, with glowing heart, I praise thee for the bliss thy love bestows, for the pardoning grace that saves me and the peace that from it flows. Help, O God, my weak endeavor, this dull soul to rapture raise. Thou must light the flame or never can my love be warmed for praise. He also said before the Washington Society of Alexandria on February the 22nd, 1812, The patriot who feels himself in the service of God, who acknowledges him in all his ways, has the promise of almighty direction, and will find his word in his greatest darkness, a lantern to his feet and a lamp unto his paths. He will therefore seek to establish for his country in the eyes of the world, such a character as shall make her not unworthy of the name of a Christian nation. So how does this all tie together between Reagan and Francis Scott Key and Emerson? The point is, as Reagan was talking about, that it used to be in popular culture and education that we talked about and specifically acknowledged the greatness of America and how important America was in the history of the world. And specifically within that, we talked about God. And as he said at the end there, the fact that we were a Christian nation. And Reagan's comment that, that we had started to lose that, you know, that that generation grew up, that greatest generation and even the one right after it, grew up with culture and education, family, their neighborhood, all reinforcing this idea that we were a Christian nation and how exceptional America was and that we were losing that. He said, you know, in that speech, if you go back to it again at the end of it, he talked about, but now we're about to enter the 90s and some things have changed. 
Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And those who create well or create popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the spot, the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't reinstitutionalized it. I'm not sure. I don't think our spirit is even back anymore today, folks. But there's some promising glimpses of light. But we definitely have not reinstitutionalized it. And until we do that, this is not permanent in any means. It has to, we have to put God and, and teaching our history, our real history, not the stuff that you hear today twisted by the left so often, this, this revisionist history that's been sold now for decades in public education in particular, but in popular culture as well, that gets sold just constantly, even from from Disney movies on up today, and movies and books and music, we have to get back to a point where not only do we put God back in school, but he's back in culture, back in our poets, back in our writers, back in our directors, back in our singers across the board. And the only way to do that, folks, is to get him back in our personal lives first. And then, once we do that, to get him back in our institutions to require that that's part of our institutions. Because that's the way it was set up. I think I've gotten enough time here. I'm going to read that Concord hymn real quick, and then I'll leave y'all be for today. So this was sung at the completion of the Battle Monument, July 4th, 1837. By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmers stood, and fired the shot heard round the world. The foe long since in silence slept, alike the conqueror silent sleeps. And time the ruined bridge has swept down the dark stream which seaward creeps. On this green bank, by this soft stream, we set today a vote of stone, that memory may their deed redeem, when like our sires our sons are gone. Spirit that made those heroes dare to die and leave their children free, bid time and nature gently spare the shaft we raise to them and thee. Something just struck me, folks, as I read that, uh, and then I really will leave y'all alone. We make these monuments, and you can go back and look at the Old Testament. There's numerous examples of when the Israelites built an altar or stone or a monument of some kind to God to remind them. And there's a proverb that specifically says not to move ancient boundary stones that our fathers have set. Every time we take God out of an institution, every time we pull down a statue or pull down history of some kind, almost without fail, we are forgetting 
who we were and where we came from. And and sometimes you've got these statues. Sometimes they remind you of bad things, and that's the point so that you avoid them in the future. Often they remind you of good things so that you remember God's grace or mercy or blessings or the sacrifice of those who went before us. The more we forget of our history, and we've forgotten a lot of it, the less we teach ourselves and our children, the darker and darker this path that we're on right now is going to get. And so, just like Reagan talked about, and, and just as you see, and this is just, I just pulled two poets here today, just kind of randomly. There's so many examples where in culture of the past, uh, America was celebrated and God in particular was celebrated by this nation. But we've got to reinstitutionalize God first and the history and heritage of our republic second. And, and teach this to ourselves and teach this to our kids. Or we're going to look up one day and we're going to either be in the middle of a fight or we're going to be living in the USSR of the 60s and 70s, 50s, 40s, even before that. And either path is really, really nasty, folks. Uh, but one is, is probably definitely better than the other, depending on how it turns out. All right. I rambled enough. I'll leave y'all alone. I sure do appreciate it. Thank y'all for giving me a little bit of your time. God bless y'all. God bless America. God bless your family, folks. We'll talk to y'all again soon. Looking forward to it.